Hi, this is Dee Wallace, and you're listening to TV Confidential, baby. The Real McCoys want you to meet the family known as the Real McCoys. Ed Roberts with a reminder that Darby Hinton will join us in our second hour. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Erbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. Greg Erbar, of course, two-time Grammy-nominated multiple Addy Award-winning writer for television, animation, advertising, and publication or publishing, I should say, for Disney, Warner Brothers, and Universal. Greg Erbar, also co-author, along with Tim Hollis of Mousetracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. Uh, You can also read Greg's column, Animation Spin, twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. What do you have for us tonight? The Real McCoys. With... Walter, I was going to do a Walter Brennan impersonation, but I don't do a good Walter <laughs> Brennan impersonation. I'm thinking of the episode of MASH. It's one of the last episodes with Larry Lenville, and it's movie night. And they're showing My Darling Clementine. Ah. And, ev- and everyone gets up and does, I like Harry Morgan, and I think even Larry Lenville gets up because in the episode the film breaks. And the impromptu entertainment while Klinger is trying to fix the film is more entertaining than the movie itself, even though they're showing My Darling Clementine. But at one point, everyone gets up and tries to do a Walter Brennan impersonation in that episode. Isn't it funny how Walter Brennan was one of the go-to impressions that almost everybody did? The limp and the the sort of arching your arms and, and doing that sort of crazy old coot kind of thing, which was a persona that wasn't always the way he acted in all movies. Sometimes he played like a meanie guy and yeah. stuff, too. But I think one of the reasons why he was a go-to impression for a lot of comics and actors was because he was so ubiquitous, particularly yes. in Westerns. And in the 50s and 60s, during the first era of late-night movies or what a lot of local stations would call the 8 o'clock movie, which is an independent station primetime alternative to what was going on in the networks. A lot of movies that were shown on the late-night movie or you know the primetime 8 o'clock local movie were movies such as My Darling Clementine that featured Walter Brennan. Yeah, that's true. And the character of Amos McCoy that he played on The Real McCoys was sort of cemented yeah. the persona that he pretty much did for the rest of his life and this was six years and they did 39 shows a year there are a lot of episodes of this show so that's like 250 240 yeah, more than yeah, 200 224 total of course it's easy to forget that richard crenna was also right. his co-star yes and he had come out of radio and character roles. Of course, he was on the uh, episode of Armist Brooks. He was Walter Denton, Mm -hmm. and he was the teenage kid on that. And then he was on the Out of Lucy episode with Janet Waldo, also playing the uh, love-struck teenage kid, and then played this role for many years, and then did the show where he was a lawyer. Slattery's People. Yes, where that was his first dramatic role. Probably his first time Richard Crenna did his own voice, acted it in his yes. own voice. <laughs> yes, but an extraordinarily versatile actor. Yeah. And I have a friend in Florida who worked with him when he was in the movie Summer Rental. He was uh-huh. the uh, the bad guy in that. Could not have been a nicer, more personable, a down-to-earth, a, approachable person. My friend went on and on about what a nice person he was. That is what I hear. And later in his career, 
I was going to say the king of TV movies, probably more accurate, a king of TV movies. Yes. Because every decade there are one or two actors or actors who were like the go-to people for doing movies of the week and things like that. And he, he being Richard Crenna, had a nice run in the 80s to mid-90s where I'm thinking CBS particularly. But if there were a high-profile movie of the week that was being made, chances are Richard Crenna was in it. And he did a couple where later in his years he stretched himself as an actor, which is always nice to hear. The one I'm thinking of, it's uh, The Rape of Frank Janik. But he's sort of a hard-edged police detective who finds himself a victim of of sexual assault and that is the arc of his character in that movie and he was very good in it as he was good in pretty much everything he did yeah and he still did comedies in fact he did a one season norman lear comedy called all's fair with, with bernadette peters bernadette peters yeah in, and uh, in, in a young, 75 76 as i recall yeah and and a young uh, michael, michael keaton, keaton. Yeah, uh, his character's... I can remember the character's name. Lanny Wolf, I huh. think, was the name of his character. Lee Chamberlain from The Electric Company. Uh-huh. Very good supporting cast. Actually, it was a pretty cute show. As I recall, it was at a pretty good time slot. It was a hammock show. It was a Monday night 9.30 show between um, MASH, I think. I think MASH was on Mondays at 9 at that time. And then whatever was on at 10 o'clock and then... Yes. All's Fair was on at 9.30, and for some reason, MASH did well at 9 o'clock. The 10 o'clock show was something called Executive Suite, which did not do... Yes, with Mitchell Ryan from Dark Shadows. With Mitchell Ryan (laughs) and William Smithers, who ended up suing Lorimar Production over Executive Suite. To the extent Executive Suite, the TV series, is remembered, it was because of the lawsuit that William Smithers filed. Hmm. He was promised starring above the credits billing when he signed the contract. And when the show went into production, it became starring Mitchell Ryan. And Bill Smithers did not take kindly to that. He had the courage of his convictions, and he sued Larmar, and it cost him. It took him several years to fight it out, and he was blackballed during the late 70s, early 1980s, while the suit was played out. But he won. It is for many years, in fact, it may still be taught, but for many years it was taught in law school as contract law. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Because he was one of those Quinn Martin. He know, was a staple. Staple of Quinn Martin, staple of pretty much every major 60s TV show, Mission Impossible, Star Trek. And, of course, for Dallas fans, he was uh, Jeremy Wendell. And my understanding was he disappeared from Dallas after, like, one or two years because that was when his lawsuit was taking place and no one was hiring him at all. And when he won in trying to find work, Hagman was one of the first people to reach out to him, I understand. And that's why Jeremy Wendell suddenly reappeared after hmm. four or five years of not being seen on Dallas. And so, but William Smithers did many shows. The real McCoy 
was not one of them. No. But but it relates to how it's because I think we got off on this because we were talking about Richard Crenna and all the many things. Well, yeah, and, and movie fans probably know him from the uh, Rambo movies mm-hmm. and Body Heat. He usually played the grumpy executive person, yeah. the, the cranky guy, that kind of stuff. Yeah. He, he As he aged, he, he grew into those kind of roles. But he also played a romantic lead once in a uh, the ill-fated 1968 musical Star with Julie Andrews. One of the movies that came out that almost killed the Fox Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Not because of him, but no. because they just made these expensive musicals, yeah. and none of them did terribly well, and that was one of them. But anyway, he was a very versatile actor, and the co-star as... There's young Kate. Catherine... Kathy Nolan. Kathleen Kathleen Nolan, who went on to become the president of Screen Actors Guild. Yes, yes. And she also was the original Wendy in Peter Pan with Mary Martin in Uh 1954. Uh, You can't see her in the color televised version because she was on The Real McCoys at the time. That was 1960. However, if you get the DVD with the two live versions from the earlier, which were made right after the show closed. The DVD of Peter Pan. Of Peter Pan, the the actual live ones that NBC did. You can see her in those roles. I, I thought she was just wonderful, and she was great. And she did not stay on the show the entire time. She must have been... Speaking of somebody who uh, might have gone up against the authorities, um, she got into a contract dispute in the sixth season. So in the last season, they killed off Kate's character. Really? He, yes. And he was... This is a sitcom. That didn't happen. I, th- I thought the first time a sitcom killed off one of its characters was Henry Blake on MASH. No, they didn't say she was out of town like <laughs> Mr. Wilson or anything like that. They said she died over the summer. Huh. It was like Make Room for Daddy. They didn't have any sorrowful episodes or anything. It was just the following season, Luke was a widower. And that season, there was a young widow who'd moved to town with a young son played by Butch Patrick uh-huh. in the very last season. Last season was an odd season because Walter Brennan wasn't in it very much. And there were a lot of guest stars like Joan Blondell and people like that who were in several episodes. So it seemed like they were experimenting of where it would go. Uh, it wasn't like the real McCoys that we kind of knew before because it was a real format to yeah. the show. It was dominated by Walter Brennan because he was being the cantankerous grandpa and would come up with crazy schemes and that kind of thing. The other thing that was significant, there was the teenage girl. It was an interesting family because even though it was the 50s and 60s and it was your garden variety, wholesome TV show of its period. Mm -hmm. It also was an interesting, unconventional family because Luke's sister was Hassie, the teenage girl, and the little boy, little Luke. So they weren't traditional family. And then he married Kate. So it wasn't like they were the son and daughter. And then grandpa was his father. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a found kind of family. And then they had Pepino, or, or Pepino, as he called him. <laughs> That's a very good word. <laughs> and Pepino, who some people may see him as a uh, stereotype. I don't know that that's true, though, because he was played by a Mexican-American uh, Tony actor. Martinez. And he was a musician. In several episodes, he, he did play and sing. But I would imagine that was kind of a breakthrough, too, because here's a regular sitcom with a Mexican-American actor who is a regular on a show uh, every single week. He's not a servant. He is an employed member of the farm, 
and he has he, some shows revolve around him and it being of its time you'll find some episodes that are going to be about a woman's place or about Papina's place and that kind of stuff because that's no that's yeah, a of, time of, of its time being 1957 1963 which is the yeah. 6 years when the show originally you know. Aired. Greg Erbar is with us as we take a look at the various releases of The Real McCoys that are now available on DVD through Inception Media. We will carry over our DVD report into our second hour. Then we will welcome back our friend Darby Hinton. Darby Hinton, the actor known around the world as Israel Boone on Daniel Boone. All that and more coming up during hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential... This is who you're missing. Michelle Nichols. Adrienne Barbeau. Leonard Maltin. Joyce Bullison. Peter Onorati. Judy Norton. Robert Wagner. Robert Hook. Lee Purcell. Julie Budd. Rhonda Shear. Michelle Lee. Jacqueline Smith. Bill Antonio. Shirley Jones. And many, many more of your favorite celebrities and people behind the scenes in the world of television. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station. And every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Become a TV Confidential confidant and receive unlimited access to the last five years of TV Confidential, plus other members-only content. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a Confidant. Enter the coupon code CONFIDENTIAL when you sign up, and you'll receive $5 off your first month's membership. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a confidant. You can listen to this show all over again as a podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, and wherever podcasts are found. Best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the TV Confidential Podcast, go to the homepage at televisionconfidential.com and click subscribe now. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS, and they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Hi, this is Sally Kellerman, and 
You are listening to TV Confidential, aren't you lucky? Just 20 miles due northwest of the Los Angeles City Hall, you'll find the family whom millions of people drop in to visit every week. And why not? Because the real McCoys are the kind of folks who always have something special to offer their TV friends. Ed Roberts, a reminder that Darby Hinton will join us later on this hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us as we continue our look at the various releases of The Real McCoys that are now available on DVD through Inception Media. The Real McCoys, the long-running ABC series, starred Walter Brennan, Richard Crenna, and Kathleen Nolan, that was also the first of what would become a string of quote-unquote bucolic comedies that became very popular on network television throughout the 1960s. Two things. The last year, uh, it switched networks. That may have had something to do with it, too. I suspect, yeah, which is probably... Perhaps Brennan agreed to do the sixth season so long as he didn't have to do... Probably, probably. And and he may have been involved in movies at the time because I think he was still doing movies. He was when the. uh, Now let me ask you this, and I'm I would usually look something like this up before I ask Greg this question, but I'm going out on a limb here. Now we've talked about the Fred McMurray method of doing a television show because, like Brennan, Fred McMurray was still a movie actor even when he was doing a television show. Now, when we talk about the Fred McMurray method, all of Fred's scenes for a given year of my three sons were done in like a two-month period. You know, So they, they would take elements of all shows that were in production and they would film all of Fred's scenes and then that would allow Fred to limit his involvement in the show so that he would remain available to do movies. And then during the remaining four or five months of production, the cast would go back and shoot the remaining scenes of the episodes out of sequence around Fred McMurray's schedule. To your knowledge, did that go on with Walter Brennan or was it a more traditional schedule as, as you know? I'm guessing that it was not because he's in it an awful lot. And if you look at... My Three Sons, or Family Affair, which is what they did with Brian Keith, was That's the right. same they thing. They did the same thing with Brian Keith. That's is correct. they spread the involvement of their characters out so that you can... It's an ingenious method because their presence is very strongly felt. But the shows are about other people so that their participation isn't necessarily always there. Especially in the early seasons, the grandpa character is extremely dominant. It's almost always about him. Sometimes it's a break for it not to be that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would assume not. I would just imagine that a lot of the Walter Brennan roles that he did were supporting anyway and wouldn't require a whole lot of shoot days. That is true. You know, if you want to see what real McCoys would be like if it was a big, splashy technical or musical, I would suggest getting a DVD of Disney's The One and Only Genuine Original Family Band with music by the Sherman Brothers and Buddy Ebsen playing the dad because it's exactly, it's almost exactly the same thing. He's the cantankerous grandpa whose opinions get him into trouble, who sort of sticks his neck in where it isn't always supposed to go. And at one point there's this big confrontation and he, he, packs his grip and says, well, I guess I'm not wanted around here anymore. And, oh, Grandpa, we love you. Don't leave. You know, it's that kind of thing, only with songs. Yeah. (laughs) 
Greg Airbar is with us as we take a look at uh, the Real McCoys release on DVD. Is this a sh- uh, who is the distributor? It is from Inception Media Group. It is an independent company. Is this a complete series or release? It took a long time for it to become a complete series, but they finally got the last few seasons done because the first few were available for quite a while. And finally, that's why I took so long to do it, the last couple of seasons became available because you could not get, I I believe, five or six for the longest time. All six seasons of The Real McCoy are available on DVD through Inception Media. And, of course, you can get the DVDs through Amazon.com and, you know, wherever else DVDs are available. Uh, I'll ask you about extra features in just a second, but as long as you bring up Buddy Ebsen, our friends Walter Pedrazic and Harry Castleman, who have written many books on pop culture and television, one of my favorite of which is Harry and Walter's favorite TV shows, they note that the real McCoys may not be as remembered as much today as other shows, but it's an important show because it was the forerunner of the so-called hillbilly sitcom, or bucolic. I guess a nicer way of saying it is a bucolic Anything sitcom. with a tree, as Pat Buttram said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Real McCoys premiered in September 57. That's a couple of years before Andy Griffith. And a good five years, I believe, before the Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction. And it falls somewhere in between. It's not as sophisticated in its scripting as the Andy Griffith show. Uh, And it isn't as tied to the entire town as Andy Griffith is. But it's not as broadly played as the Beverly Hillbillies or Green Acres. uh, Green Acres being the wonderful satirical farce that we love. Petticoat Junction may be a little bit like that, but that's more in the the Don Federson kind of category, so I wouldn't put it in that category either. I think it sort of falls in between there. They're not portrayed as... As a matter of fact, there are several episodes where it's pointed out that these are not dumb people, yeah. and there's not the slow-witted... Well, which, which goes back to the quote-unquote Walter Brennan character. He often played a cantankerous old man who looked like he was an easy mark but turned out to be smarter than... Yeah, yeah. Smarter than the City Slickers. And City Slickers would come, but it wasn't like the Revenuers kind of thing. It wasn't like that episode of the Monkees. It wasn't that kind of thing at all. In a way, when Andy Griffith premiered, that was signaling the end of this kind of thing. And then when the Beverly Hillbillies came, that was the other extreme. This was the forerunner of it, really. And actually, this was Marterto Productions, which is Danny Thomas. Okay. It's his children's name all put together. And it was shot at Desilu. Marterto. Yes. Marlo, that sounds Terry, like a, I, yes. Tony. No, no I, no, I see it now, but it sounds like a dish. It's, it sounds like it's... it's, it's or it's, a kind of noodle. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Rigatoni, Marterto. Marterto, there you go. You know, and it's... Uh, you would serve it with your antipasta. Another important thing to note about this, too, are the neighbors. Andy Clyde, who is a veteran of two reelers mm-hmm. of the 30s and probably before that. I mean, that's a Leonard Malton subject that he would know better than me. We should get Leonard back on our program. Yes, yes, because Andy Clyde's career goes way, way back. And then the wonderful Madge Blake. Oh, that's right. Madge Blake in between being Larry Mordello's mom? Around the same time, she was Larry Mar- She was Larry Mardello's mom on Beaver. 
Yes. Okay, so she was doing both shows kind of at the same time. Kind of, yeah. On Leave It to Beaver, it was a recurring role. She wasn't on all the time. So. And she's on this quite a bit. Yeah. And she's sort of the girlfriend of Amos. And he doesn't treat her terribly well, and she gets mad at him. So it's interesting to see Anne Harriet get ticked off yeah. and have a temper, because she never does on Batman. Only She's once. Always... Only once in the Liberace episode, <laughs> which, is the only epi- which was probably the only episode where they gave her anything to do. Well, yeah, that's because little old ladies and Liberace and, yes. you know, Shandell. Yeah. Well, when we talk Batman, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but if you love Anne Harriet, yeah. this is highly recommended because she's in, I would say, every five or six episodes she's there. Just one quick Batman aside, as long as we're talking about Madge Blake. I've talked about this on the program many times. Before AT&T eliminated MeTV from its package... My routine every Saturday evening when I finished putting the current show to bed, finished post-production, I would decompress by watching Batman. And even though in most episodes, Madge Blake only appeared at the very beginning of part one and at the very end of part two, she didn't have a lot to do. But after about 10 or 12 shows where Bruce and Dick start getting creative with their excuses to pull away in order to slide (laughs) down the bat poles and become Batman and Robin... Every now and then, Bruce would say, yes, Dick, let's go to Creators Creek and get a closer look at, you know, this this new phenomenon. And every now and then, they would have a long look, uh, (laughs) a long camera look on Madge, and she would just kind of look, are you got to be kidding, you know? So, so, So at least in a very subtle way, Madge Blake let us know that Aunt Harriet was not as doddering and clueless as she was made to be. Yeah, and it was in her best interest to kind of like just stick with being <laughs> doddering. <laughs> but it's like, now come on, don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> okay, so Marterto, that he, was the original production Created company. by Irving Cre- Pincus. Cre- created by Irving Pincus for Danny Thomas Production. And what's the name of the distributor again? Inception. In- Inception Entertainment. Are there any extra features to speak of? On all six seasons. There are not a whole lot until the very end, and then there is a reunion special that I would assume SFM Entertainment, which was the distributor of the uh, syndicated show, made. And it has Kathy Nolan and Richard Crenna. Just, it's a love fest about how much they enjoy doing it, and it's a terrific way to see them reminisce and talk about the, the old days, and it's actually quite nice. Because this is a show no one really talks about very much, and it was a very ubiquitous thing in its day. Well, it ran for six years, which is a long time on network television yeah. in any era, and 224 shows. Very uh, popular. Very, very, very popular. Was this reunion special, was this done for the networks, or was this done? I don't done- think so. Okay. I have a feeling it was syndicated. Because I know we would have watched it. Because we loved the girl McCoy's. Yeah. When I was a kid, I wanted to see them ringing that thing at the beginning. That can't be her arm, though. Because when she goes, come on in, it doesn't look like the same arm. I think that's a different arm. That was, it's the magic of editing. Well, like all these other bucolic sitcoms that followed the real McCoy's in the 60s, the real McCoy's had a catchy theme song every week. Yes, it did. Yes, written by Harry Ruby, who was a... Tin Pan Alley songwriter and was played by, I believe it was Fred Astaire, because in the movie Three Little Words with Fred Astaire and Red Skelton, Mm -hmm. they played 
Harry Ruby and Bert Kalmar. Now, maybe Harry Ruby was Red Skelton. I get them confused. But they wrote a lot of songs like I Want to Be Loved by You, Boop Boop Be Doop, and a lot of great old Betty tunes. Boop. That's who Harry Ruby was. So he was this veteran songwriter that wrote this rustic old uh, song. The Real McCoys, all six seasons, available on DVD through Inception Entertainment. You can read Greg Airbar's animation spin column twice a month, cartoonresearch.com. For more on Greg, gregairbar.com. Greg, we'll see you again soon. Well, thank you very much, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy, some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.